Good evening. Welcome to the Drink 5 Network's presentation of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is August 11th, 2015, and we're talking about five draft strategies you should consider during your fantasy football draft. Tuesday night, Jason. How are you doing over there? Oh, it's a fine Tuesday night in my book, Dave. <laughs> what, what book is that, sir? The book of Jason, of course. <laughs> I, I saw the book of Eli. I'm not familiar with that book, but maybe it's a movie uh, you could sell the rights to in a couple years. Someday. I haven't written the whole book yet. <laughs> right now it's just a short story of Jason. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> maybe novella at this point. Well, anyway, we're uh, we're into a lot of things so far this year, and one of those things is the fantasy football Preseason. I would normally call it the NFL preseason. We're really only into one thing right now. <laughs> it's the NFL. Well, we're also into beer. What are we drinking this evening? Ah, well, I have a uh, Founders All Day IPA, uh, famously sold now in 15 pack cans, uh, which I've had a couple uh, of those cases over the last month or two. Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying this as a good summer beer. That's a good recommendation. And we also have uh, Dude Double IPA. Uh, and that was picked up fresh from the shelves of Binnie's. And I, uh, I don't think you're giving that name justice. Okay. It's, it's probably like, dude, a double IPA. Yeah, on the back it explains all of the things that dude actually means. Besides the hair on an elephant's butt or whatever, whatever that was. It's a slang expression of emphasis, amazement, and awe. So, you know, dude. <laughs> well, we are your uh, fantasy football experts for the <coughs> evening. And we're just uh, we're, we're working on our, our rankings for the preseason at the moment. And one of the things that we're talking about now just in our spare time and on the podcast, obviously, tonight, are some things to remember when you're drafting, some strategies to go over, and just some, some generalities. So right. just speaking very frankly, uh, I've got probably four or five drafts just this month to go to in the next couple weekends, and I'm pretty excited about it. And so what are your things that you bring with you to the draft besides yourself? What do you bring with you? Well, I like to have my laptop. Now, um, I suppose my approach to a draft is generally different because I'm a commissioner in three of the leagues that we'll be drafting in, uh, three out of the four that I currently have scheduled, right? So I'm going to be running the draft sort of, but only where like I'm going to be entering picks and stuff. So yeah, I need you're my not, laptop. You're not, you're not bringing anything else special, right? No, 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 I need my laptop. You don't have like a commissioner hat or anything? I should get one. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> idea, Dave. So besides the laptop, what, what else you got? Um, I, I do like to have uh, printed out sheets on leagues when I'm like, uh, ones that I'm more serious about or especially ones that are going to uh, require me to maybe take a different approach. So why is that? I mean, obviously you could... I like having it pen and paper. You, you know could me. put I'm it in Excel pen and paper sheets. guy. I, I can, and I've done that on many occasions, but I tend to um, 
uh, I tend to stop marking people off in Excel, but when, when it's just a quick, you know, cross everybody off, I don't know, for some reason I can find it easier that way. Well, I've got my control F skills pretty, pretty, uh, honed so by this uh, yeah. far in august no i mean there's no reason why i shouldn't be able to <laughs> use a spreadsheet more efficiently um well, I, maybe you like i to think see there is out. something to be said about looking at it in two different formats you know i can look at my sheet on paper and i can you know my eyes can adjust to things differently than when i'm looking at it on a screen so well i don't disagree with you I both mean, are good maybe if they were if they were printed in different forms that would be uh something that i could get down with like let's say you have the overall sheet on a spreadsheet and, and Excel on your laptop if you bring your laptop uh-huh. or on your tablet or whatever. Uh-huh. But then you also have like the individual positions printed out or something. Then I can I can understand that. Well, I certainly will. Um, like going into a draft, whether it's going to be in a spreadsheet or printed out, I'm going to have an overall rankings and positional rankings, and preferably based uh, at least partially on the scoring system of that league. Now. Um, if it's just a simple standard or PPR, you can usually find those variations of sheets. Um, we here at Drink Five like to make our own sheets because we're fantasy football nerds. So uh, when I make up a sheet for myself for a draft, I actually uh, take the way that we do our rankings and program it exactly for the scoring of that league, so that I can have that. And uh, I don't always tell everyone that I have that available. You know, it's it's the one since I. Since we publish our rankings online and, you know, everyone who we play with has the opportunity to go and see everything that we think about players and all that stuff, uh, it's the one little advantage I like to think I have over people. Sure, sure. (laughs) But uh, for a draft that I'm not going to be commissioning, uh, and I freaking love drafts. I think you were saying this the other day to people, that drafting may be the most fun part of the fantasy football season. You know, every Sunday is great, but... The draft is, you know, you can only do it once, and it's amazing. Right, drafting and then winning. Winning is, okay, winning and then drafting. No, I like drafting more than winning. Because <laughs> you get to draft no matter what. Everyone gets one. No, it's great. But you're not going to win every league you're in. That's just not going to happen. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I agree. The draft is the coolest, and, and everyone thinks that their team is, uh, is going to kick ass, unless they don't, in which case... They need to really brush up on some of these things we're going to go over today and take it to heart. Because if you go to a draft and you draft a team that you don't like, you're not doing it right. You're doing something wrong. You're drinking too much. You're uh, paying attention to what other people think. You're You're, you're drafting based on what other people are picking. Yeah, you're not doing what you should be doing, what you want to be doing. Right. So uh, I think we should just go over some of of the main draft strategies that I've seen. The first being uh, one of the, the most simplistic ones. That I don't think anybody really does. I know a couple people that do this draft strategy, and uh, there's a lot more involved in this one because if you do exactly this, then you're going to have to end up uh, doing some trading and things like that during the season to get the team you really want. So this is uh, best available, right? To just take the best available player at any position available to you. Um, so in, you're in the first round. Whatever comes up, whatever is on the top of your sheet, the guy you think is the best, you select him. You continue with that all the way down. Which okay. means, in some cases, you you may not be drafting a uh, a quarterback because he's not the best available at any time. You may not be drafting very many running backs, or maybe not very many receivers, or maybe you draft four tight ends. Whatever, it's because that guy is on the top of your sheet at that time. Now, if you do a parallel from fantasy drafts to NFL drafts, for it example, sounds to me like that's an auto draft. Well, sure, but based on your sheet, which is different, because of course. because an auto drafts in like say you're in a Yahoo online league or something, it's not going to be uh, the th- the picks that you want. 
Um, regardless, um, this is the kind of strategy that NFL scouts and, and coaches use oftentimes in their drafts in the professional uh, NFL. Uh, and maybe it would be used even more in rookie drafts or dynasty leagues. Because in that case, you can take that player, you may not need to use him immediately, and you can trade him for highest value rather than something you need. Um, so this is a strategy that, again, I, one of my friends, Jason, another Jason, he employs a lot of the time when he's drafting. And he does it simply because in most of the leagues that I'm in, people are open to trades. And I do suggest if you're in a league where people don't trade or they're not open to it or they won't allow it, to get out of that league because that seems like a ridiculous group of people. Yeah, they don't want to participate. They don't in want to like actually a play. Big part of the game. They don't want to play the game. It's, it's like playing football and not using the forward pass. Hmm. That would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, no, that would be boring, and that's why they don't do that anymore. Exactly, and that's why you shouldn't be in a league. That's why that it's called trade. rugby. But so, say you take uh, five receivers in a row, or five running backs in a row, or whatever the best picks happen to be. Well, then technically, for your team, you should have a better team than anyone else at least based on your board. So if that is the case and you're not reaching for anyone or filling positions or slots that, that other people might be reaching for in various points of the draft, you could take those players and trade them for whoever you want from whoever you want. And that is the idea of this particular kind of a draft. Okay, so you take a hard-line approach to the best available player and plan on like fixing your team later. Yeah, but you're assuming then that by fixing your team, you'll still have a better value than you could otherwise because your players will be better than they would be otherwise. Sure. And yeah. if you lose the first couple of weeks, then you have high waiver picks. And those are the best weeks to have them. And that's true, too. Um, and it, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic when I say if you lose those weeks. like It's not a disaster if you go 10-3 and three in a fantasy league. No. You, know, you usually need seven wins to guarantee you a spot in a... 10-team league, uh, a lot of people get in with six in those kind of leagues. So, um, you know, it, you just got to make the playoffs. Right. And uh, and so that is sort of something that could work. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, in, in any of these strategies that you employ, you're generally not going to, if you're a smart person, always follow it 100% of the time because there are things that happen during a draft that could change your strategy. So let me just ask you. So let's say you went at it this year and you decided to do a best available uh, draft. Let's say we have a draft on Sunday coming up. This league is a PPR league with a flex position. Okay. So let's say you just decided to do that. Um, but you wanted to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room in case something came up. So if you went for the best player available, five rounds in a row, and every round it was a receiver. You've got five receivers. They're all really excellent. Obviously, you have better receivers than anyone else in the league. The next guy, sixth round, is a receiver. So do you compromise or bend your strategy? At what point do you do that? And do you think that uh, you know that's even something you would consider doing as a draft is the best available position? Okay, so you've presented me with a you know a specific scenario. I just want to say that I do like the idea of value based drafting. Well, that's different though. Or not value based, or drafting the best available. Correct. I do like the idea of taking the best available guy right away. Now it probably won't. End I up think with it's an objective receivers. thing that like you know once you're in the you know I think. You're going to be okay because once you get in the sixth round, there's been f more than 50 guys taken. Um, so the best available is probably going to be, um, you know, the, the, the likelihood of there just being one guy who's so much better than every other position available is low. Now, are you asking me, do I take that sixth wide receiver in that case? Um, 
I mean, you don't because it, in that tier you'll find a running back and a tight end and a quarterback as well. Is what you were saying. Right? I, I'm thinking that you're generally going to come across that. Um, if so, the position specifically is wide receiver, then I say no. You got to break the mold at that point because of all the positions, wide receiver is the most watered down right now. There is a ton of wide receivers out there. So, um, so if you already have your team, then at that point you'd break off. Right. You you're not going to get fifth round running back talent. Or you know, or sixth round running back talent for your fifth or sixth round wide receiver trade. At this point, it's not happening. Right. Well, I assume that that if you're the best available drafter, that you're drafting as many receivers in a row because it happens to come up that way. And if it does, and if you have five receivers, then you could probably trade away you know your second and third guy or or your second and fourth guy or whatever to get a really good running back. But, Absolutely. But I, I'm with you. you you're not going to... You can I've, live on, you know, obviously, the fifth-round pick. You can't trade a sixth-round pick for a fourth-round pick unless the guy's an idiot or in case the, the season has already started and one of those players have started to do suboptimally. Right. You really would have to hit on every single guy in order to justify taking, you know, six in a position in a row. So you do compromise your strategy, and in some degree uh, you don't have to because, as you said, if you're doing kind of tiered-based drafting, which is what most experts would recommend that you do, then you're going to end up with best available being one of eight guys. Right. You're going to, even when you have best available, other than maybe the first or second round, it's still going to be a choice between one or two guys. Okay. So keep keep this in mind, best available, because we're going we're gonna to rank these uh, individually as to what you would rather, um, you know, what you would draft as, you know, let's yeah. say next week for the league next week, which is the PPR uh, flex position league. If you had to pick one of these strategies and go with it as as strict as possible, which one would you go with? So we're gonna we're gonna rank them when we're yeah. done talking about. It. I really like the idea, and we can move on after this, but of using a best available with tiers. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. So, uh, what's our next strategy, Dave? <laughs> okay, so uh, zero running back, and this is a strategy that I've, I've heard it a lot sounds, about. Lately. It sounds like the last one when you're drafting four wide, five, six wide receivers in a row. Well, no, that just happens to be coincidence. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, so you know, and I know because we talk about it all the time, is that fantasy football used to be in the in the '90s, uh, in the '80s when it first started coming out, and up until let's say five years ago. It was always running back, running back, running back. Mm-hmm. Get as many as you can. And there's a lot of reasons for that. They, they tended to be the focal point of the offense, um, at least up until more recently. There's a few major reasons for that. Yeah. They're named LaDainian Tomlinson and Priest <laughs> Holmes and all the guys who just had monster years in the early 2000s. But it's more than just that one guy. In general, there were more running backs and the, and the teams were doing more running offenses that were, that were really ringing the bells. And they seem more consistent than their wide receiver counterparts because the passing offense was not what it is now. You know what I mean? Uh huh. So, people... oh, you know what's interesting? We were talking about the rushing attempts per game. I have that data back to at least 2003. Oh, that's cool. And oh my God, back in 2003, 10 teams had over 30 carries per game. We were talking about last year, only. Uh, six of those teams did exactly. So that's that's totally backing up the point here. Absolutely. That as the league sort of turns into more of a passing oriented offense and does a lot of more running back by committee kind of situations, then the running backs tend to be less and less the focal point of the offense. And while there are still running backs out there that are awesome, like I mean, don't get me started. Right, Le'Veon Bell is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got guys like Adrian Peterson that are back, and he is just a domination, a dominating force. There aren't uh, many Jerome Bettises carrying the ball for Pittsburgh in 2004. 38.8 carries per game. That's well. Why would you not? Why would you not give it to <laughs> Jerome insane. Bettis? I think they won the Super Bowl that year. I'm sure they did. Well, 0405. 
It was right, right. It was the 04 season, 05 Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so there was a more severe drop off of talent uh, at the position for wide receivers. Uh, I mean, sorry for for running backs because one team had like one particular running back that they fed the football, just like Jerome Bettis or whoever, Ladainian Tomlinson. And, and more modern day approaches, you know, uh, guys like Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch. I and mean, that's fine. They 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 still Demarco get, Murray last year. They still get the ball a ton of times, but those are not the overwhelming majority of the league any longer. So. You've only got a couple guys, right, that you can that you can pick, and then after that, there's hardly anybody there. Right. So more recently, teams are favoring throwing the ball, using a running back by committee approach. So running backs, of course, like you said, um, the guys you just brought up. Uh, why don't you mention him again? The, the was he the best running back of last year? The best running back of last year was Demarco Murray. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to not say his name because I don't want to draft him. You don't want to jinx him. I'm gonna get all excited about this guy. You know, now he's on the Eagles, and then I'll just I'll draft him, and he'll get injured like in the third week. It'll be terrible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> last year it felt like he was the guy that had the most promise. So who do you think this year is the guy that has the most promise? I, I see that guy as Eddie Lacy. Well, Eddie Lacy's the safest running back pick in the top six. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's the most promising pick. Okay. Uh, and, and we'll get to that, some like picks, etc. Uh, you want me to tell you the truth? I think it's Adrian Peterson again. <laughs> I think AP will and Le'Veon Bell will be the top two running backs. He had like 25 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown in the first game last year. Yeah. And then was suspended the rest of the year. He was going to be amazing. He's still good. And he got a year off to think about what he's done. Oh, he got a year off to be mad. And work out. <laughs> oh, I hate to have to tackle him. So, uh, so all those recent changes to the game, and now that we know that wide receivers are, are being used more often, so it forces the wide receiver value closer to the top and sometimes eclipsing the value uh, of their more grounded counterparts, especially in like a PPR league, etc. Um, even though there are backs that catch the ball, wide receivers will be there at number one. Guys like Antonio Brown are now uh, like chosen number one overall in PPR leagues because it makes sense. I've seen him in mocks go number one overall in a standard league. Exactly. Um, He's so reliable with his 50 yards per game. And we talked about exceptions. So you got Jamal Charles and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they're PPR studs as well as good running backs in their own right. And you've got guys like uh, Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson that are like the old school running backs. Uh, and they're still there, right? But there's not as many. And there's more wide receivers that are more consistent. So um, going with this zero running back strategy is asking you to to get rid of that preconception in your head that you should go running back, running back, running back, and try to get as many as possible, as good as possible. Instead, draft top-tier wide receivers, maybe even a tight end or quarterback before going into the running back pool and selecting a variety of situational guys and and middle guys and backup guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually did this um, last year uh, in, in a league that I was in, a brand new one, and I ended up winning the league. So I, I just took wide receivers and quarterbacks high. I think I had Andrew Luck and Julio Jones and whatnot. And I ended yeah. up getting like Arian Foster and a couple of situational guys. I, I definitely remember that draft because it was... And I won the league. It, it was a bit of a joke as to how far uh, Arian Foster did fall. Well, those some of those guys... You but could... I would like to look at your draft from last year really quick. So, last year, uh, you were Steel Levian's Blunt or... No. No, you were the other Steelers team name, yeah. which was... Uh, what was it? Le'Veon a prayer. My bad. Le'Veon a prayer. All right. So you drafted Des Bryant. But I didn't have Le'Veon Bell, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> Drew Brees and Andrew Luck, which is interesting because it's only a one quarterback league. 
Yeah. But they're worth a lot because of the bonuses in this league. Well, it doesn't matter. Quarterbacks were incredibly valuable. Luck and Rodgers were so much higher than everyone else that they... You had Breeze and Luck, yeah. And you just played Luck all year. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even need to take Breeze, I'll be but honest. But then you actually took Foster and then Bush, uh, fourth and fifth. And then Shane Vereen. Well... Okay, let me say this is sort of a modified version, right? But I would never otherwise go three picks without picking a running back, which is my baby steps into this pool, and it really worked out for me. Yeah. Um, but you see that otherwise I couldn't have had like a really nice receiver and Des Bryant and a really good quarterback. Uh, it just wouldn't have worked out very well. Now, if I do that league again, I probably won't take a, a breeze and luck. I'll probably take a top tier and then another receiver as well. Imagine if I could have had like Bryant and A.J. Green or... You know, Bryant and Calvin Johnson. Or, and I like this this method because it's going to keep me from drafting LaShawn McCoy, Jordy Nelson, and then Doug Martin. Because Doug Martin Here's and LaShawn McCoy could both, be, they could both be dumbs. Right. And then you get nothing, you lose Here's the Here's what I do. I'm usually decent at, at finding the guy earlier on, but when I go back for my second running back, I always end up, like, sometimes I reach and I pick DeMarco Murray. You and just it's take the right dive. move. But most dive. of the time, I'm taking Doug Martin or Toby Gerhardt or something that's just completely off base. Okay, well, remember. And, I, and I'm glad that we have rankings this year that I can rely on more. Yeah. You can use any of these uh, strategies and, and use them piecemeal, but I would suggest that you think about using them as they are. Like, for me, for, for instance, uh, I'm going to try to, in one of my drafts this year, do the actual zero running back uh, theorem or stratagem, or strategery, whatever you want to call it. And I think what I would do is I would tell myself that I'm not going to uh, take a running back on purpose unless, unless like, you know, the value is an so angel great. came down until, like, the Adrian fifth round. Peterson is available in the second round. Right. So you're I want, saying like, four wide receiver quarterbacks. Before you go, wow. And I think that would be great. I would say push that all the way to five if you end up taking, like, a Gronkowski or someone like that. Yeah, because the value there is just so high. It, it could work for you. So so they people that like this draft strategy, they say, the top few tiers of running back in the draft have the highest variance and therefore should be avoided. It's been proved by stats over and over again, and uh, I can point to those stats in the article. That we, we did research last year about this. Yeah, and there is a higher variance for risk-reward for the top, like, 15 running backs than there are for the top 15 wide receivers. If you want to make sure that your team is not just a, a firecracker that explodes in your hand, then you don't take a running back in the first two or three rounds. You need a Roman candle that you, lasts a while. You wait till later. You grab a bunch of running backs. You take some off the waiver wire. Maybe do some trading. But you take guys that are going to be more consistent. And the way to do that is to take more consistent positions. And that is uh, wide receivers and quarterback and sometimes top end tight ends. Yeah, That's the way you do it. So instead of high risk picks... Select guys that can be consistent. And does this kind of strategy make sense? And I'm asking you, even if you have the first or second pick? And the answer is yes. So you're saying if you're taking the zero RB approach, you need to be picking more consistent guys. You can't be taking risks with those first few picks. No, well, if your risks are wide receiver and quarterback positions, well, I think maybe you're thinking about it the wrong way. In general, those wide receiver positions, regardless of what risk you assign to them personally, are still overall less, less risky. volatile about than yeah, oh, totally. So even yeah. if you were to take Odell Beckham Jr. as your first pick, it's still going to be a better pick than taking uh, Jamal Charles. Right. The odds of yeah, because the odds, the odds of, of Beckham, Jamal Charles getting injured or or not performing are way higher. Yeah. Than Beckham. and there's frequently. Guys who were free agents or way low draft picks who wind up in the top ten. Like, like there's one of those guys almost every year who winds up in the top ten. And usually most people see them coming. And yeah. I would say fifty percent of leagues have a shot 
Like, a shot of, like, everyone picking them up on the waiver. Yeah, and this is an expert sort of uh, strategy because you do have to be uh, very in tune with your team and you have to be picking the waiver guys out Kind of know well. the league well, too. If you're not certain about what kind of trading climate there will be in your league, I would be hesitant to use this strategy. The same with the previous strategy. Well, it, if you don't think that you can trade, like, look, if you're if you're not sure, then you, you know odds are you'll be able to get a few look, trades. If you through. don't think you can trade, you shouldn't be in that league. Period. Period. Okay. So get so out is, of it. This is one of those things where, like, when we talk about players, we don't assume that they're going to get hurt. We just assume that they're going to stay healthy. We just assume that you're in a healthy league that has trades and communications and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's not like you can't find fantasy leagues out there. So if you're in a league that sucks, get the fuck out of the league. Right. That's that's what I say. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? That makes sense to you, right? It makes sense. Okay. So, uh, does the idea of zero running back drafting get more enticing in a PPR league when wide receivers receive a rankings boost? Uh, and again, I say yes, because although there are running backs that do have a PPR boost, there's far more of a boost from wide receivers. So, if you were to, and they automatically get a boost just in their rankings. So, if you were to employ this strategy in a PPR league, uh, I think you would automatically be head and shoulders above the competition before the the games even started. Agreed. Um, I can't, you know, especially in PPR leagues, I don't want to draft running backs early. And I did last year, and I paid for it dearly. Well, we used crappy, to. Crappy, crappy team. And you could. You could, like you said, you could take DeMarco Murray and uh, a Jamal Charles. Well, that, you, you, you wouldn't really be able to get those two. Yeah, you really got to hit those. But you have to hit them, and if you don't, then you're going to lose. <laughs> it's, it's period. That's That's all there is to it. Okay, so yeah. let's take a let's take a little uh, musical break, shall we? <laughs> I don't mean to jump the gun on you. I, uh, I figure... You have to you have to help me out here with that, though. All right, come on, engineer. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. I'm drinking too fast. Now, I think. No, I still had. I came in with like two beers, basically. All right. Well, that's two down. So we talked about uh, best available, and we talked about the zero running back strategy. Now, uh, of those two, uh, were you familiar with both of them and how how they sort of worked as strategies? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you tried either one of them out officially? Um, I I would say that um, a a version of best available by tier is the way I draft now. It is the most common way for me to draft. Although I do really like this upcoming. Uh, version as well. I haven't ever gone with the zero RB. I've, I'm in fact kind of looking back over old drafts as we're talking, and uh, I have a running back in the first three rounds of pretty much every draft. Right, and now, I think most people have, if not two. Last year was the first time I came close. Uh, in our full PPR league, I took Calvin Johnson and Brandon Marshall uh, in the first two rounds, mm-hmm. which is like the the only time I've ever done that. So, um, you know. It didn't work out for me because of the players I picked after that. Uh, you know, so inconsequential based on the strategy. Yeah. Well, you never know what's going to happen. And Brandon Marshall was one of those players who, uh, you know, got injured. And, and he was one of those wide receivers that, that didn't do as well as he was expected to. Sure. So that doesn't happen as often, but it still happens. I mean, I'm not telling you you take zero running back strategy, you win your lead no matter what. But I, I do have this feeling, and it's not based on anything other than my experience, that you're probably giving yourself a like a you know an ankle up, not a leg, but like <laughs> not a leg, but an a ankle. couple toes. You know, like you take all the advantages you can in this kind of. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in, in the third round last year, there was still, um, you know, there was still Doug Mart. Well, 
Aaron Rodgers was still available. Randall Cobb was still available when I picked. You know, I, I picked Zach Stacy, embarrassingly enough. <laughs> but you know, if I would have stuck with that strategy, you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Randall Cobb, even Vincent Jackson's probably an okay pick there. He still had a bunch of. Well, actually, no, he didn't convert too many touchdowns. All right, but yeah, there was like big names, like obvious things that would have been better uh, than. Well, it's not dwell in the past, man. You know, you're moving forward to a new legacy, a new era of Jason Evans football. A new chapter in my you know? book. And uh, I think I think we've seen uh, our sort of uh, our records go up. If it's a line graph, it's it's doing all right now. So uh, things should only get better in the future. And uh, let's move on to the next the next way to draft. So this is value based drafting VBD. Uh, it's been around since the mid-90s and was actually sort of pioneered by a couple guys that worked for a website called footballguys.com. And footballguys.com is now uh, one of those big websites that has a newsletter and a lot of like drafting tools and they have a subscription-based service. And I'm not sliding them at all. I mean, I think that's great. A lot of people use them. In fact, um, a lot of people that are better than your average bear use them because they're very analytical, very statistical. They employ people that are actually like actuaries and like work in the financial like you know sector. If you're going to spend the time like doing hardcore research on your teams and stuff, yeah, you know, it, then people find it valuable to go ahead and spend a few bucks and really get access to some high quality shit. Right, and you get those kind of tools where like you're drafting and you've got uh, everybody else's draft and it tells you like who's the real time person to put in. And so this is one of the things that they initially developed when they were creating the website, which is called value-based drafting. So this strategy is taking players' past performances and calculating projections for them, which we do, for example. Uh, but they determine who the baseline player at each position is and then determine the value of a player by doing that. So let's talk about let's talk in depth a little bit. So how do you determine the baseline player at each position? Well, they tried a whole bunch of different things. They tried taking the average. Okay. You know, they tried taking like a, a specific arbitrary number. Can I guess who the baseline quarterback is? Yes. <laughs> is it Andy Dalton? No. <laughs> it's Tony Romo. I'll drink for that. In 2014. Really? Yeah. So, okay, continue. Can you guess how they determine the baseline? I would say that they want to... Uh, like a slice of the top 10 only, or the top 12. And they don't care about the whole league. So what they decided to do after a while, and I'm not sure if this is still true, but it was up to a point, um, and a lot of places do this kind of arbitrarily, but you have to do some things arbitrarily when you're working with stats. So they pick the players that would go like 100th. That would be the 100th overall. person overall drafted. Okay. And so what you find is you generally get an even distribution of running back and wide receiver, and you've got almost an even distribution of quarterback and uh, and tight end, a little less tight end. Um, but you had Tony Romo was uh, was I think was the quarterback. Ahmad Bradshaw last year was the running back. Um, I, I don't remember the other ones. Did they measure this at the beginning of the season or the end? This is factual data. So at the end of the season. No, well they would do both, right? They would they would project it. And they would, they would give you the projected VBD that you could use to draft from. Uh -huh. And then at the end of the season, of course, you know, to, to do an analysis, you would do the factual analysis to see what it actually is. So what all, all it really is is I, I told you what the baseline is. So if the baseline is the 100th, let's just take last year as a factual example, then um, the value of the player is just uh, how many more points that player scores or less points than the baseline player at that position. Okay. Which would mean that if you are... Uh, I guess what I'm saying is they don't change the baseline player throughout the year. They pick that guy in the preseason. Or not preseason, but I, I like think, right I before it, the season starts. I think you're losing me here. 
So I mean, I'm saying, like, was it Tony Romo all year, or was it Tony Romo Tony because Romo, of where he was at the beginning of the year, or because of where he Tony was? Tony Romo the end of the is year? the factual statistical data baseline quarterback. It has nothing to do with how they figured out the projected VBD rankings for 2014. They would have figured out who the baseline was at that particular time, and then projected all their stats, and then figured out the projected VBD. This is only preseason drafting. There wouldn't be like throughout the season. Do you know what I mean? Okay. This is only for drafting value. Okay. So what you would do is project everyone's stats yeah. based on your algorithms and information. Then you would determine who the baseline is based on, on what the 100th person would be at each position. Okay. And then you would determine the value of the other players based on how much better they were or worse they were relative to that Okay, now, I, now I'm following it better. Yeah, so let's say it was Tony Romo. I don't know if it was or not. But you got a guy like Andrew Luck, for example. So you're saying it wasn't Andy Dalton, but you don't know who it was? I don't know who it was. <laughs> it's probably Andy Dalton. <laughs> but what you find out in, in doing so is uh, is that the quarterbacks, for example, uh, they score a large amount of points in most leagues, but they're not usually among the, the most valued picks, the guys taken in the first couple rounds, at least not in mass, because in general they have low relative value compared to uh, the other quarterbacks in the same position. Mm-hmm. And you know this. We talked about it before. There's another sort of theory that's connected to this that was pioneered, um, taking some of this uh, and, and moving along with it by the fantasy football guys. And what they did was they just said, uh, let's say you've got uh, 10 quarterbacks. Um, you're selecting a quarterback, two running backs, and three wide receivers in a draft. So that means that uh, that quarterback... You know, um, there's only 10 of them. But the wide receivers, there's 30 total that are going to be starting each time. So then you're looking at what is the that value of the player between the top guy and the last guy. Right. As opposed to for a tight end or a quarterback, we're only playing one of them between 1 and 10. You know, so which one of those is more valuable at which point? And this is why, like, football guys, for example, they'll give you this big spreadsheet um, which you could make yourself, I'm sure, if you were if you were talented in the ways of Excel, um, to get you at any point during the draft the guys that were most valuable. Because if you start taking out people, like if you take out Rob Gronkowski, yep. who is by far the most valuable tight end in the draft, right? And he's he's 40 points more valuable using the factual data from 2014 than any other tight end. Second being Jimmy Graham, which means that it's okay to draft Rob Gronkowski because he's so much better. It, it certainly is, but then you don't want to make the mistake of jumping right after and saying, well, I better take Jimmy Graham now. You don't take tight ends then for a long time because then their value becomes very low relative to each other. Yes, exactly. And so Because you, the guy after Jimmy Graham isn't that much worse than him. Right, so there's a lot of sites that provide VBD data uh, based on their individual algorithms. Uh, and I like football guys, and I, I think I trust them because they've been around for so long, like 20 years. But if they were bad at what they did, they wouldn't keep, be still doing it. Yeah, true. But but you can go by any of the sites that you like. And if you find VBD data like this, you can usually find a spreadsheet. There's some on Reddit, too, in the subreddit Fantasy Football that will allow you to do it, where you can plug in your information for your league, and it will determine the VBD data for all of the players. And then as you draft, you can just mark off who gets drafted, and it will determine on the fly what the VBD value of each player yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, because it's a dynamic thing. It uh-huh. changes with every pick. And we talked about expert being the no running back. Well, this is the extreme expert way to, to draft. <laughs> now, 
I think it's uh there's some things that are probably wrong takes with the it. most preparation. Well, there's some things that are wrong with it too, you know, because it's all based on projections. And if it's going to be based on projections, then it is uh, it, like it's inherently flawed. Sure, because it can't be perfect. Whoever created those projections, uh, it is up to them. Those are the people that you have to trust to uh, to draft your team. <clears throat> but what we learned from VBD overall in the last couple of years, and even more than that, is good information. Which is, it's silly to draft a quarterback early unless you take Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers. Now this is remember I'm using 2014 factual data. Right. But if you don't take one of the top one or two guys in that position, it's stupid to take one it, until later. If you don't take Rob Gronkowski or another outlier in a tight end position like that, which this year will probably only be either Gronkowski or Graham, probably Gronkowski, it's stupid to take another one in an early position. It's yeah, that's so definitely what, the case. What now that you have tells to be us, good at your projections. But regardless of your projection. What, what it tells us, this information, which is good for any of these strategies, is that you need to be taking a running back and wide receiver early because those are still the positions that are the most valuable based on the value of the players in this system or any other system. Right. Like we said earlier, running backs can be more vol- volatile, but um, on the whole, they are definitely um, more valuable than tight ends. More valuable because they score more points, and there's fewer of them that are scoring you points. Um, you know, you everybody starts two, so in a 10-team league, you've got 20 starting running backs gone off the board. Assume that the next 20 are gone as backups. Um, so you know. in any particular position in your draft, it is probably better if you're at a loss to take a running back than it is to take a tight end or quarterback. Right. Or a wide receiver. Because those guys are just inherently more valuable at any place in the draft than a quarterback or tight end, unless you're taking the best of that position. Yeah, I mean that that this is almost the opposite then of one of the other draft strategies. Which one? Um, well, that would be the zero RB, I suppose. Well, no, it's not the opposite. But zero RB is is presupposing that you're not going to take running backs till the end on purpose, based on their or volatility. best available, I should say. Whereas you might say, well, the running back that I want to take right now isn't the best available, but he's the he's so much better than. The next running back that I have to take him. Yes, best available is going to be a little different from VBD because best available might put a quarterback or a tight end there. Right. And VBD would tell you, don't take that guy because you can draft one later that's going to be uh, relatively right. about the same. You don't need to draft Matt Ryan because you can get Ryan Tannehill three rounds later, even though Matt Ryan is so much better than everyone else that's available right now. Yeah, that could be that could be true. So, so these you have to decide which one you're going to take, really. Uh, now, we talked about last year's factual data. We talked about how this depends on projections. Uh, but it's kind of great because it does sort of prove uh, what you think, which is that if, if, at least what I think, which is that if you're not going to take one of those top guys at a position like tight end or quarterback, that you don't need to be drafting them until the later rounds. And if you, if you, yeah. really, if you really subscribe to this, then... It's really interesting how you draft because it all depends on everybody else's picks and not yours. More, it does. more it so, it really does. It definitely does more so than than the other strategies do. Yeah, and um, you know, so what are your thoughts about it? It was it what you thought it was. Is that something you'd be interested in pursuing? The one thing that that bothered me a little bit when you were talking, you were pointing out, you know, like, well, you got to take the running back, even though these other conditions exist for other players but i i think that kind of like um before when uh, things were self-correcting once you got later in the draft 
Um, as you get down like the running back list specifically, you're going to find that there's a lot of overlap that a guy that guys are really close together. Um, so value-based drafting isn't necessarily going to matter as much because um, there'll still be a lot of the same thing available. Yeah, well, any draft, when you get down to the bottom, it becomes sort of a crapshoot. And, and yeah, sure, you, if you wanted to, you could just throw away your VBR spreadsheet and just pick some sleepers or whatever you feel like doing. I mean, a lot of these draft strategies are to get you uh, a starting lineup, and they're not necessarily... Well, I don't, I don't, I, I don't really don't think it's a good thing to think of, of a draft that way. I mean, okay, I, I put that wrong. To get you your first ten players, what what you're saying because is, is you need, far in. What you're saying is most people, even experts, need help to be able to like straighten out and organize their thoughts for the rounds that are really important. Then later they know who they're targeting, so they can just take whoever they want based on who they're targeting. Of course, and I think it's a natural thing that people need to organize their thoughts and put a method to the madness, if you will. Yeah, and, and even you know the, the best out there, and, and I consider us fantasy experts, uh, you know, we have our rankings up on Fantasy Pros, et cetera, this year. Uh, among, what, 150 other experts on the on the World Wide Web? We're experts either whether or not you put the quote in in quotes. Well, I didn't put it in quotes. Right. But even <laughs> if you put it in quotes, we're still experts. Right, exactly. Why are you putting it in quotes? I didn't put it in quotes either. <laughs> no okay. quotes. Not even air quotes here. So, so any of us, you know, who, who uh, call ourselves and or are experts at this game, this hobby, this sport, this... Whatever it is that's sort of taking over... It's a game. Well, say what you will, but you can win millions of dollars doing it, which probably makes it a sport. But, you know, you can win millions of dollars playing poker. That's not a sport. Yeah. It's the World Series of Poker. You can win millions of dollars at the lottery. That's not a sport. The video games uh, are considered a professional sport now. It's like professional competition. Mm-hmm. Calling it a sport is just trying to... Uh, well, this is semantics. Use a so. short word for competition. I don't want to talk about semantics. It's more. Come than on, a, that makes great podcast, Dave. It's more than a game in the way that uh, that poker or video games or anything else that's competitive that can make that much money is more than a game, because it becomes a passion, a hobby. It becomes something that drives people. It is more than a game. Well, it's silly to think that people who are way in, who are as into those other things as we are into fantasy football, aren't passionate and driven. It. You know, as much. Yeah, which is why they're all more than games. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. All right. Anything that has that amount of people and force and and sheer willpower and and uh... so so we need we need a a word that is better than game but not sport, which implies to me athleticism. Yeah, but I mean, there's golf. You have to be able to swing. <laughs> like you still have to do like you know. I, I guess you would have to put like bowling and pool and darts into that. Exactly. Category. So, I and mean, I, I'd be okay with that because darts is a game of athleticism. Yes, but no, it's not. There, there are games that you only <laughs> use your mind for, and then there are games that you use your body for. And the best games are the ones when you use both. But yeah, maybe, but but chess is still considered a sport. Is it? Yeah. Uh, and you don't need to use your body for chess. I didn't feel like much of an athlete when I played chess. Well, I didn't feel like much of an athlete when I was sipping beers, eating pizza, and playing darts. <laughs> but I was playing for money, so I guess I was a professional athlete. You were playing a sport? There you go. I guess. I, I by my You're talking about semantics. I think this still falls under that category. Uh, but I think that sport is not what you think it is. It's not necessarily purely physical. I think it's... Uh, uh, well... 
we're not NFL players, right? NFL is the sport. <laughs> there is a big definition. You're, you're trying to draw a line between between our so should hobby we, should is based we on the sport. Look up the the definition. No, because definitions. Look, Miriam Webster is going to settle our argument. Well, it would settle it in my favor, I guess. No, the dictionary <laughs> definition of a word is not what the word means. I mean, that my friend is not true. Yes, the dictionary is. definition of a word is exactly what the word means. No, that's if people use it incorrectly, that's one thing. If people use it in a different way enough, the dictionary changes. No, well, we don't, and that's the thing. The dictionary can change exactly. Sure. Where I'm not saying like sport has always been this and will always be this. I'm saying today it is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Sure. But I mean. In in darts, that same athletic exertion that you that you take when you when you uh you, you you know throw that dart at the dartboard. I suppose calling it exertion is a ex- it's a is little a gross strong. exaggeration. It's about the same as as the exertion it takes to lift the pulled pork sandwich to your lips as you're watching the Steelers take the Super Bowl for another victory. Mm. But it does take skill, like hand eye coordination. And this takes skill as well. This doesn't take any hand eye coordination other than using a mouse. It doesn't which... say physical skill, does it? No, it doesn't say physical It just skill. says skill. So I'm going along with the dictionary definition here and saying that, uh, that darts is not a sport. Okay. <laughs> Do you agree? I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I would be silly to argue that point, like, hard. Bowling is more a sport than darts because... It's, it says and, not or, so it needs both. Okay. It needs physical exertion and skill. Well, we'll get... So then the question is, does golf require physical exertion? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you get sweaty by the end of it. You see what happened. In You're te- never going to sweat during a game of darts. What happened in tennis is that is that uh, some people a long time ago they told the tennis players that it wasn't a sport that they were they were not in, participating in a sport because it was sort of a uh, you know a uh, kind of a kind of a thing going on. So then the tennis players started going ah to prove that they were <laughs> physically that exerting themselves. themselves. So every time that they <laughs> every time they ah that it's uh, you know. They're making sure that it's actually uh, actually happening. It's exerting. It's there's this exertion happening in the sport. Uh, anyway, so uh, so we've gone over uh, three different strategies, and I want to move quickly to the next one, which is going to be one, uh, Jason, that I think uh, I don't know actually if you ever uh, set your eyes upon this particular strategy or not. I know I did. Okay. Uh, I call it guided tour, and this is a strategy that I see a lot from people that are new or people that think that they they have to. Um, they have to get a certain amount of things at a certain time. Right, and, like, oh my god, I don't have like a, a third wide receiver yet. When you talk about this as a game, like a, something like Tetris, right, where the pieces have to fit together correctly, and if you're looking at a sheet, and you've got a sheet, and you've got a quarterback slot, and it's, it's open, and a wide receiver, and a wide receiver slot, and they're open, and you've filled up, like, let's say, running back, running back, tight end, well, you're naturally, as a human, going to look at the sheet and say, I filled in these slots. Now I need to fill in these other blank slots. So this is where people walk into the draft with a a strategy in their head, or they take that sheet that's in front of them and they let it get to their in their mind, and they they are forcing themselves to go after a particular position when there's no other logical reason to do so. So not a strategy based on player value, not a strategy based on lack of player value or any other kind of plan besides what position to target. Uh, and win. These people commonly are the fourth out of five people in a run of players, you know, or fifth. 
or <laughs> or especially fifth. So I, you know what's funny is I find myself being that fifth guy because I look at one of the guys left and I'm just like, no, the value is too great still. I don't care that there was a run. The value here still dictates this move. Well, unless my guy was ranked higher than those other ones, I don't think I would follow that. I don't that's think I that's only that. that's the only time I do follow that. But I would. Uh, I, I want to say that you know I I started doing this when I started playing fantasy football and partially because the first league I was ever in was one that was uh, 22 draft positions at the time and it was a 200 plus dollar league and it had you did not start on easy it had two quarterbacks in a super flex position and exactly so it's it's this sort of monolithic thing and I looked at it and I'm like well that's a lot that's intimidating you know and I figure a newbie to this uh, to this sport um, if you will. Um, they uh, they would look at it and be like, "I will not, sir." Well, there are I I bite my thumb at you, sir. There <laughs> there are sixteen draft positions that I have to fulfill, and so uh, let's say I take a guy because it's the first round. You're gonna take whoever the best dude is because you're a newbie. Fine. Well, after that, you're gonna look at your list and be like, "Well, I need two running backs. I need two wide receivers. Right. I need a quarterback. Better fill out my list." And you're gonna fill it out, and that's what I was talking about. Um, I would go to these drafts and I'd be like, I'm going to go RB, RB, WR, WR, tight end, quarterback. And I would I would do it. Sometimes, it's like Rex, Rex Grossman, who stares down his receiver. Right, exactly. It's the same kind of thing. I, I'm just like Rex Grossman. That's how this parallels as a sport. Um, wide Rex receiver, Grossman doesn't want to go to the Jets. He's injured. He's, he's, got, he's, he's injured, and he's, I used air quotes that time. He's got bed sores. <laughs> what? Wide receiver, sort of sitting in a lazy boy, or wide receiver, running back, running back, wide receiver. You know, whatever. The point is, I would write these things down on my pieces of paper, and I would try to follow them because I thought that if I didn't follow them, I would get lost. I wouldn't get the lineup I wanted. I wouldn't uh, fulfill the things I needed to fulfill here. So I was playing Tetris. I was trying to stack the the tall block Tetris in that spot well that was open. But I've learned over the years that you don't have to. It makes sense in a very shallow sense because in Tetris. If you if you put like the right block there, you can eliminate two lines. You can make your uh, paper nicer and neater, but that's not what we're going for here. <laughs> a not, not a nice neat paper. No. So Dave, uh, I must interrupt you. We have another bometer drink. I would like to offer to rinse your glass because this last beer had a bunch of sediment in it. Okay. And I know that you can just finish that real quick. All right. I have faith in you, Dave. Well then, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and finish this real quick. It's going to be great. You know this is like a 9% double IPA, right? You're chugging a Coors Light. <laughs> you liar. This is a sport. Physical exertion. I don't know about the skill part. Alright, thanks. So if any of you just joined us out there, this is Drink 5 Network's Fantasy Football Podcast. Please go ahead and check out drink5.com when you get a chance. Your host Dave and Jason are here tonight. We're talking about draft strategies. And as I was just telling Jason, this is August, right? And August and September, early September, are such great months because they're filled with drafts. This year, for example, I have about seven, I think six or seven live drafts that I'm going to. I just, on Sunday night, attended an auction draft. And they're some of my favorites because the difference between, if you've never drafted in an auction draft, the difference between a, a snake draft and an auction draft is that in an auction draft, uh, each player will nominate uh, someone to be available. Let's say I nominate Peyton Manning. Then I nominate him for any amount I want. So I'll say five bucks, whatever. 
then it goes around to everybody else in the room and whoever wants to bid on him can. And then whichever person comes up with the largest amount and the auctioneer says going once, going twice, sold, then it goes to him. He becomes uh, the owner of Peyton Manning. And that is very much unlike any other draft, especially the snake ones, because in a snake draft, say you are position number one, right? And, and you're looking at your list and you draft Jamal Charles. Well, you're not going to come back again until uh, I think number 21 if you're in a 10-team league. So you can't get anyone that is drafted between picks 1 and 21. The only way you could get them is if you reach for them and grab them early. And that would just be stupid. So I think personally that, that auction drafts are the, the, the higher skill kind of draft because uh, you have to know ahead of time which guys you want to go after. And uh, you have to know exactly how much money you can spend, how much money you can save, uh, you know, and all those things that go into it. So I recommend all of you guys out there, if you haven't attended or tried an auction Ooh, are you draft talking auction? in one of your leagues, that you should definitely, uh, oh, definitely try it out. I, mi- I can't believe I missed the auction draft part. Uh, I'm well, so excited about auction drafts. I really want to do one this year. Well, we'll talk about it at some point. And I know you haven't done one, so we'll do one at some point. But, but you understand the logistics of it. The point, I think I'm going to do an auction draft. The year. point being that uh, you can literally get anyone you want uh, up to a point as long as you have money. So what's really great about those, right, is that you can be active every single time there's a bid. And when I was at the one, uh, for example, on Sunday, it was a 10-person draft, and we had a $260 uh, amount. This is actually the same draft as the one I was just talking about that was my first league that I ever played in. Now it's 23 positions, draft positions. So it was a long auction. It took about six hours. But we had a separate party, a third-party guy come and and do the auctioneer. And it was so great because he was able to say, uh, you know, you nominate whoever, Des Bryant, right? Right, okay. And then and then he'll say, okay, Des Bryant for $1. And then someone else in the room will, will shout out an amount like 15 bucks. And then he says, uh, Des Bryant, 15 bucks, 15 bucks. You know, if nobody says anything, it's Des Bryant, $15 going once. Des Bryant, $15 going twice. And if he says sold and gets to the D and sold, then it's over. But some, but sold? Yeah. If, if someone's like, 18, then they can still be in. Room consensus is what we decided. It only happened once. Uh, How close was it? Soul. Okay, and which way did you vote? <laughs> we voted for the runner. Okay, so the guy who bid got the kid his bid in. And then, of course, the person who got outbid had a chance to... Oh, you can always go one more. Unless, you can't, unless you're at your max bid, at which point you can't. Of course. So, I mean, you have to bid one, play, one dollar on all your players. I really like, logistically speaking, the way that you guys had your sheet set up. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you had, instead of rounds, you had each team mm-hmm. and each player that they bid on. Rounds how much are in, they inconsequential. Spent, exactly. How much they spent, but then also uh, how much you had left. Oh, that's important, though. Oh, yeah. And it's important. It's nice to see how much everyone else has left, too. And not only is it important to know how much you have left, but also your max bid. So let's say you have uh, you know seven bench spots left and you have 50 bucks left. Well, you need to know the amount that you can bid on a on a person and have a dollar left for each player uh, subsequent, right? Uh, so so that people can uh, so you can fill out your roster without cheating ahead of time. Yeah, and we did we did allow uh, two timeouts, ninety second timeouts to each player in the room, which didn't get used very often. There were like six of them used, but you could use them for a ninety second timeout whenever you wanted to, as long as it wasn't in the middle of a, of a, an auction. Oh, really? So, like, if it was going once, going twice, you couldn't call timeout? No. Okay. But if, if they called the name of a person, we had a little pause. So it'd be like, 
uh, Stevie Johnson, you know, whatever. And then you could call timeout if you didn't know who that person was or you wanted to take stock or, like, see if you wanted to bid on them or whatever. You wouldn't just immediately open with a bid. You wouldn't say, uh, Stevie Johnson, 25. Well, it is, but there was a slight pause on purpose. Okay, so you, you're told to pause. Yeah. Okay. So they'd be like, here's a nomination. Uh, it is uh, Peyton Manning. Okay. And then there would be a slight pause, and then I bid a dollar. Right. Uh, so it was fun. Uh, anyway, uh, so that we finish this podcast tonight, uh, the guided tour thing, which I was saying. So people go to their drafts, and I've done this, and I don't know if you have or not. It sounds like maybe not so much, but I, I literally would write down on a piece of paper, like, I'm going to draft running back, running back, wide receiver. I certainly have never gone into a draft that specific. And and I, I did that, and it, I wasn't bad because of it, but I lost value, I know, and it becomes more based on luck then because what you're doing is you're cutting into your chances of doing well based on the amount of skill you're taking out of it. Um, because you're, you're looking at rankings, and you're literally disregarding a portion of them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, it, it, when I look back on my old drafts, like, the ones I did well, they feel like, oh, well, of course, like, I would have done that. But the ones where I do poorly, it's like, why would, you know, th- there's always moves in there, or a collection of moves, and it's just like, you just took a bunch of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, w- I think we can all agree that this sort of guided tour strategy is a newbie strategy, and not one that, uh, that I would suggest that anybody employ in their draft. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to help you out in your first draft to kind of get you through it before you can kind of decide, you know, w- once you've gone through a few drafts, you should know, hey, uh, I, I, whenever I'm drafting, I think that, you know, this would apply. So then you would kind of research that strategy if you see it coming up a lot. But the important thing really is to mock draft, is to practice. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with that. I, I also think that the mock drafting too much, especially in one particular site, could definitely skew your projections of, of how you see things happening in your league. Because every league that you're in... Oh, wow, there's still music playing. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, that was a slightly unprofessional. Everyone ignore that. We'll edit that out later. Is, is every single uh, league that you're playing in, you know... It, it has going to have different people that have different preconceptions. And, and especially in the ones that I'm in now, I find myself in leagues where people aren't using the, you know, just Yahoo numbers or whatever. At least not, not the people that I respect that I think uh, have good, good picks. They're not using ESPN draft rankings. And if they are, then I, yeah, I have less respect for them as a drafter, I'll be honest. Because I could just go to ESPN and find out who they're going to pick next. And that's, yeah. that's just kind of silly. <laughs> uh, but... So we've got uh, the strategy next called late-round quarterback. Now, late-round quarterback could be seen as more of an offshoot or an addition to a lot of these strategies, but I'm going to break it out as a strategy in and of itself because I think it has value inherent. Um, this is a zero-quarterback strategy, which is I, I'm going to call it that. Um, it makes some more sense to me. So it's become a popular one, and a, a lot of that has to do with uh, some people that were that were really uh, involved in the scene in uh, – uh, fantasy football subreddit on Twitter. Uh, a new guy, I think his name is, uh, what's his name? I think it's JJ Zachariasen, something like that. He actually wrote a book or had a website called Late Round Quarterback. And I got, remember going to the Late Round Quarterback page. Got yeah. this into people's heads a little bit. And now he writes, I believe, for numberfire.com, which is a really cool site. Shout out to Numberfire. You guys are doing a great job. Um, I don't like your pop ups that say, I must log in with Facebook, but besides that, you are fantastic. <laughs> um, hey, everyone's got something, right? Yeah. 
So there are all these quarterbacks in the league. We talked about in VBD how there could be a couple quarterbacks that you can draft ahead of the other ones that are going to be way better. But how do you know necessarily how much better those quarterbacks actually are? Well, you don't. So you can, you can say, based on the factual statistical data, for example, from last week, that there's going to be, uh, or not last week, last year, last year, that there's going to be quarterbacks that are better than your average bear, right? So Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers, those were the two guys that were so much better than the other quarterbacks. They could definitely be the same this year, right? But you don't necessarily know that. And if you're unable to either depend on that or to pick one of those two guys, then late-round quarterback would suggest that you need to just wait until much later, until rounds 9 or 10, where you can get a guy like Ryan Tannehill or Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers. Those guys all have top 10 potential. They could be a top 10 quarterback. However, you're getting them so much later that it's absolutely ridiculous as like the price value that you save. You've always talked about this. Your favorite guy to do this with is Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. You take him super late in the draft, and then by week five or six, it's like, whoa, Dave's got a pretty good quarterback. How'd that happen? <laughs> He's still going in the ninth round. Yeah. Why is Tony Romo not higher? It makes no sense to me, you know? And and it's only better this year because of how much they ran the ball last year. And and maybe Joseph Randall will take off. Maybe the running game will be just as good. I don't see how it's just as good, but <laughs> but it could be good. And even if it is good, they're still going to throw the ball for 4,000 yards, right? And Des Bryant's going to get a bunch of long touchdowns, and Tony Romo's going to do fine. So a guy like Tannehill, or uh, we talked in the uh, the last or the or maybe two previous shows, I forget, about Eli Manning. He's doing better this year than he was previous year. Phillip Rivers should have a nice year. Those guys are all guys you can take as like the 90th pick. Eli Manning might not be drafted. Yeah. <laughs> And, and they're still going to be easily, like, top 15 guys. We were talking about him earlier when we covered the Giants. Like, we think Eli Manning's going to have a great year this year. And look at his receivers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's, yeah. I and, mean, that's like Jay Cutler two years ago. And so what, what I'm saying to sort of prove how this works is, and I don't have the numbers here, but you're just going to have to uh, imagine with me a little bit. This is based on the uh, expert consensus rankings of uh, Fantasy Pros for, for right now. And just an example. I can give you a couple guys surrounding if you need it, but let's say that you take uh, Drew Brees, who's a fourth-round quarterback. Uh, a lot of people are going to take their quarterbacks in the fourth or fifth or sixth round. Those guys are, are being taken along with a whole bunch of wide receivers and running backs that are super talented. So right. instead of Brees, you could have had Brandon Cooks or DeAndre Hopkins, who are like the number one guys on their teams. I have a theory. I think that people hear that advice and they say, oh, I should wait to take a quarterback. But they can't wait any longer than the fourth or fifth round. Yep. They just get too antsy, like we were saying earlier. They're, or they don't they know. They want to fill in their sheet. Or they don't know all those they other quarterbacks. They don't know, yeah. They, that's a possibility. But I think it's people get too antsy. And they really should wait till the ninth or tenth round. You know what's funny is if everyone is stubborn like that, then you'll get good value at the end too. You know, if more than one person waits, then you're in good shape. And Dave is playing back our podcast to us. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, I mean, so you've got Drew Brees, and instead of him, you could have had Brandon Cooks or DeAndre Hopkins, both taken in the fourth round right now. Um, or uh, you could have had Ryan Tannehill. Uh, oh, where's, he, where's he being drafted, Mr. Tannehill? 
in the, I believe, the ninth or tenth round. Right oh, now. that's fantastic. Right, what about it, Matt Ryan? Exactly my point. Uh, Ryan's a little bit earlier, I believe, and I don't have him up right here. But but okay. but I was my comparison was saying you take a quarterback in the fourth round like Drew Brees instead of Brees, you could have had Cooks or Hopkins. Then you take a guy like uh, Tannehill in the ninth or tenth round instead of Tannehill, you could have like Kevin White or um, there's a couple other guys that I was just. But I'd rather at. have Tannehill at that point for sure. But yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. And interesting side note, Cooks' value seems to be going up. Here it is. Marquise uh, Colson took a big pay cut. Or Michael Floyd or uh, uh, Victor Cruz. You're talking about 10th round guys. Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, exactly. So Ryan Tannehill, uh, a guy who will finish as a top 10 quarterback, is a much better value than those guys who are going to finish no better than RB, like low RB2 or WR3. Right, so you even get, though they're talented players, you get a quarterback two, but a high end one, I'm saying or, you or a low end, end quarterback one, one mm-hmm. and you get a wide receiver one, as opposed to getting a quarterback one, probably most likely, and also a wide receiver three. So the the value you get from waiting on the quarterback far outweighs the uh, joy you get at the time that you draft your uh, your quarterback early. You can only draft or bait for so long. Am I right? <laughs> yes. So uh, I would do that. Would, would you do that? Would, do you subscribe to the zero quarterback theory? Now, I will tell you, just before you answer, that, that the only uh, exclusion to this particular rule that I have is if you're in a league that plays more than one quarterback or if the quarterbacks have uh, touchdown uh, passing touchdown points of six instead of four. Six-point passing. Then touchdowns. I value quarterbacks a little bit more, and, and I, would, I would take one early because you run the risk of, of a quarterback run, and then you really lose value. Well, you could still kind of, I mean, other than a two quarterback league, you could still kind of hold out and take those guys later. You just have to understand that you're not going to get them in the 10th, you're going to get them in the 8th or 7th. No, for the reason that uh, you don't get a guy who scores as many touchdowns. You might get a guy that passes for a lot of yards. Okay. You, you don't, but you, like, you, Breeze is going to score more touchdowns than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Even without Jimmy Graham, yeah, I think he will. Yeah, that's happening. That, that'll happen. Tannehill might have like almost the same amount of points, maybe, but he's going to be running, etc. So six-point passing touchdown, you really need a guy like Andrew Luck or an Aaron Rodgers. you got to take advantage of that. Yeah, so I, I would reach for him in those cases, but if it's not that case, I don't reach for him ever. I always wait until at least like the eighth or ninth round to take my quarterback because instead of taking the quarterback, you get a great receiver or a great running back. Yeah, and I like kind of a hybrid of, of a few of these uh, systems, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do uh, find that I've had good success when I've held off and taken one of those very late guys. Even in a two-quarterback league, I kind of avoided taking the top-tier guys, and I thought that that helped me as well. But well, like you were saying, you gotta you got to make sure that you, you're right in there and that maybe second-tier so like I didn't take the first tier last year, but I had Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers and Ryan Tannehill in a two quarterback league. Yeah, that's okay. So that's a good trio to run through a two QB. And in league. some situations, you know, it's okay to have even in a, in a one quarterback league, you could take two really late and then just play matchups. If you if you look at it closely, yeah. a guy like Teddy Bridgewater could have value. You know, um, there's there's a lot of guys sure. that could be valuable in the league. Uh, even a guy like Later Jake Cutler picks. or something could be good depending on his matchup. Well, he's yeah, in a two quarterback games. league, he's relevant for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, uh, so we, we've gone through 
all of the different strategies that I brought up today. So there is best available that uh, you and I think is interesting and especially tiered. And that's what a lot you of people... You look at it from a tiered perspective. That's sure. what a lot of people do anyway uh, to, to make their picks. Uh, we have zero running back, which is uh, prescribing to you guys who may be listening right now who haven't heard the first half of the podcast. It's a, it's a pretty famous strategy now uh, revealed over the last five years or so, becoming more prevalent in leagues. And it's suggesting that you take mostly wide receivers and maybe even a quarterback or tight end early and don't really draft running backs until the sixth round or so, at which point you take a couple and you try to uh, pick guys that are like backups like Niall Davis or situational guys that could move into a bigger role um, or guys that are like often, oftentimes injured that are sort of a risk-reward, and you hope that a couple of those guys hit. And I, I kind of like that one. Uh, Value-based, uh, which is, is taking a lot of analytics and giving you sort of a real-time uh, baseboard to, to look at and say, who should I pick next based on the relative value of those players at their position? And that's telling us, more than anything else, that quarterbacks and tight ends can wait till later unless you take the best of them. But wide receivers and running backs are people you must take early and often uh, if you're going to subscribe to this theory because those are the players that are going to win you your league. Uh, a guided tour strategy, which I'm throwing out, that's kind of a newbie thing I, I put in there just saying, uh, if you are subscribing to this, if you are following this, if you were going to a draft and saying, I want to take a running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, you need to look at what you're doing and change it up a little bit. Uh, because that kind of Tetris strategy here is not one that's going to work out for you in the long run. And then late round quarterback, which, like I said, is kind of an offshoot of the other ones. I wanted to bring it out, though, because I think, Jason, and you'll agree, that maybe you could do late round quarterback in tandem with a lot of these. Yes, a lot of these things you could sort of implement together. Like, you could draft based on uh, the best available by tier and wind up taking, you know, a... Actually, if you do that, you're going to take a quarterback early. So you could do that, but then just cross quarterback off and say, I'm not taking a quarterback till late. And that that's similar to what um, I was scolding you for earlier. You were scolding me? Not... Very lightly. When I was saying, like, well, I never would go into a draft saying, like, well, I'm going to take two running backs and three wide receivers in the first five rounds. Like, I would never want to actually go in the draft that specific, but that's exactly what I was just saying. Yeah, you've done that before. Yeah, I mean... And you should never think like that. Ever, ever, I gotta say, ever, I don't ever. usually... I haven't found, like, one method that I love. Uh, and since all the leagues I play kind of vary in scoring and stuff. Like, if I had a bunch of standard leagues, I may pick a strategy and stick with it. But since everything's a little bit different, I tend to change up my strategy for each league. Yeah, well, that's not a terrible thing to do, but I, I think if you don't subscribe to one particular strategy or uh, or very closely look at, you know, what, like maybe a hybrid, then you're really just going in there with no plan at all. Um, you're just kind of scatterbrained at that point because you have no particular strategy at all. You're just, I'm going to go draft guys. Well. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe that works for you. I don't know. Uh, or your strategy is I kind different. of adapt to, you know, what's available in the draft. So if I had to say that I had one strategy, it would be the best available based on tiers. I don't always uh, say things like, I'm not going to draft a running back early or I'm not going to draft a quarterback till very late. Well, then you don't. But I do, I do do that sometimes. So I would say that. For the most part, it's best available with a modified tier so that I don't take too much of one position. 
Um, and then every once in a while, I try it out where I, I, I stick myself with one of those rules. Okay, well then I would say that perhaps you, you haven't really gone down any of these pathways, really, any of these rabbit holes too much. Uh, it's okay. I think that probably the majority well, of people... I've done the value-based draft before where I had a sheet and it always told me who to pick. And um, I, I thought that that was okay, but I... But it depends on your projections. Didn't, yes, and I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Well, if you don't like the projections, then then you're going to come out of that draft saying, what did I do? And that's what I said earlier. If you come out of the draft and you don't like who you picked, then you either don't know who the players are or you don't know what you're doing at the draft. Right, like you have a scattered approach to the draft. But you can fix it, though. You can fix it. You just have to know. Sure. You have to know. You have to either subscribe to one particular... Uh, well, I mean, I rarely draft and think, oh, I don't like any of this. Well, I'm, I am talking to you because you're across the table from me, but you know, I'm of talking course. to everybody. Obviously, anybody who's listening out there. So uh, I, I think that uh, that if you come away from a draft and you're not happy with what you drafted, then you have to ask yourself, you know, so are these the players that I wanted to pick? Um, if they're not, uh, is it because you don't know who the players are, right? Yeah. So you need to know more about the players. You need to know more about the all those individual guys in, in the football league. And I, I don't think people should feel bad about that either, like, I was in this uh, draft on Sunday. I've talked about several times this auction league, etc. These guys play all the time, and a couple of them are like like me, you know, that are, are very uh, uh, consider themselves experts. Although I must say, I, I don't think that uh, that any of the people in any of the leagues that we play in are uh, at sort of the the nobody's level. a newbie anymore. No, but I mean, for I, sure, I don't think anybody's at that level of uh, of like uh, uh, having known all of the of the changes in the offseason and all the things that are going on is as, as in our are. dynasty league i would say that sean foss is you know right up there with us well, sean's a great rookie guy nothing against him but i don't think that he knows exactly what's going on in the nfl especially not not chatting about it you know every week and and going into in-depth analysis about it and i'm just trying to think of the next Closest then. Granted, I don't know. The, I don't know everyone's study habits. I would hope that Troy would keep up with things as we do. Well, believe me, I'm, I'm we not, haven't heard from Troy in a while. I'm not calling anybody out. I think that I think that we'll all call the, out Troy just a little. Right I think now. that all the people that listen to the show, uh, you know, get all of that information from us, which is great, and all the articles that we have up uh, are you know great uh, information for everyone to uh, to look at. But I don't think that uh, I, basically. I know where people are at because I know where I was at when I started playing fantasy football. And I'm just trying to, you know, put a little bit of knowledge uh, out there. Sure. So for you and for me... We have to understand that if, if we're talking about our friends specifically, I think some of our enthusiasm has bled over and gotten people into it. If only, like, pure osmosis. Just if someone hangs out with us... They're going to hear things about fantasy football players. Well, that and the fact that fantasy football is growing in popularity exponentially. And yeah, we're friends with a lot of people <laughs> who like fantasy football. And, you know, FanDuel and Daily Fantasy and the fact that in the past five years they put fantasy football tickers on NFL games must mean that, like, we are actually not uh, on the cusp of something here, Jason. It's not like we're like, maybe there are people that like fantasy. I think like it's fantasy. safe to say that it's arrived. Yeah, people people are really into the fantasy football. <laughs> right. Maybe in 2011 there was still a question about it when we started this stuff. But now in 2015 it's here. So no, what not. does that say? It, we have helped bring it here. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, 
So how would you we rank our one passing yard? How would you rank these particular uh, um, strategies? What I'm going to go first. So okay, I agree with you that uh, best available with tiers is something that I always used to do and still do. Um, and so I think that that is a very important way to look at things. Uh, but I no longer think that that's the best way to do it. I think that now going into stuff, and let's just talk about it strictly uh, in like a, a regular league. Okay. So it's just a standard. Everything standard. Uh, I think that uh, I think that a value based way to look at it is probably the best analytically. But I don't necessarily believe in the projections unless they're ours. Um, so it's difficult for me to stand behind a sheet like that when. It's showing up with the player that I should draft, and this is probably how you felt. You're like, you know, you should draft Marshawn Lynch, and you're like, well, why? Who's I don't telling like Marshawn me Lynch. Who's telling me I should draft? This? Right, right. Why should I draft him? Right. You know, which is funny because when you look at a ranking sheet and you see, well, Marshawn Lynch is the next best available player, you don't think of it the same way. No, but when someone tells you you should draft this guy, it's a little different. So I'm gonna say late round quarterback for me number one because I've always subscribed to that and. The only time that I draft quarterbacks high is if they are worth a lot for some reason or another. Yeah. Uh, and two, I will go with uh, best available because I always think that's the best fallback approach to go on. Um, three, I think I'm going to go with the zero running back because I'm going to try that approach in more drafts this year. Yeah. I think that the wide receivers are more valuable than the running backs and they are uh, less risky picks. And I'm going to try to go with that for the rest of my drafts. Um, of course, guided tour is last, which makes value-based four. And I think there's a place for value-based drafts. I just don't think that I can completely put my trust in one person's projections, even if they are based on an algorithm that's you know uh, proved accurate in some degree. Uh, it makes It's really hard for me. But I will say this. Like I said before several times, what we've learned from value-based drafting and the stats that they've produced is more important than value-based drafting itself. Which That's is true. Which is that... It, it informs you of the of a player's real value, and it gives you... It, it basically gave rise to tiers, I would assume. Yeah, I think so. So so I think if you put tiers in any approach, that it helps you because you don't have to pick one particular player. You have to credit value-based drafting for that. And you should always know that if, if there is a position that you don't draft a lot of, like a tight end or a quarterback... Uh, it is not a good thing to go after the top guy because chances are either you're not going to get the top guy or the value is not there. Or the value is not there. So I um, would say that my favorite is the best available, you know, uh, taking tiers into consideration. Uh, that's the one that I've used the most. That's the one I think that I've used uh, to the most success. Um, secondly, I think that this zero RB thing is going to be the next popular uh, trend, and I think it's going to be effective, like this year and next year. Uh, but look at know, the wide receivers. Things last in year the NFL, right? But then things in the NFL always go uh, in waves, and you know, running backs will come back, and they will be very important again, and they will be con- more consistent at a, a time in the future, and there will be more of them at a time in the future, uh, and the wide receivers will be less. You know, amazingly talented. Look at how many new, awesome wide receivers we've been getting in the league lately. So that's going to go on for a while. Anyways, um, I really do like the value-based drafting. And I think that given a proper set of projections, um, you could do it justice. Now, 
Who's to say what projections are better than, than another? That's the problem. And he, here lies the rub, right? You exactly. Know? So from a, <laughs> from a purely theoretical scientific approach, it's probably the best way to draft. But practically speaking, it's not really very, you know, it's not really there. Um, because it assumes that the numbers that are provided are the right numbers. Yeah, late round quarterback, I, I suppose um, I am prejudiced against it because you do say, and, and I'm breaking your rule here, and I <laughs> acknowledge it, but go with it. It, uh, I, I only play in like one standard league. Every other league has something else about it. So, taking that into account, I don't think that drafting a quarterback that late is always a great idea. Um, I think that oftentimes early in the draft, there is good value for a quarterback. And you should not be afraid to take it. Well, you just talked about the VBD, you know. Right. But what I'm, I'm saying, when the VBD tells you to take the quarterback, you do it in the third round. You know, when Aaron Rodgers is available at the end of the second round because people are so hung up in a PPR league on drafting wide receivers, then you got to go with it. But... You know, don't be afraid to go with the late round, but I don't think that it, uh, as a rule of thumb, is a good one to follow. I think like well, then you need to loosely interpret. You can interpret. amend that and say sure. and say. Uh, but the, we're just ranking these five. That you don't you don't want a middle round quarterback. Maybe it depends on. I don't want a middle round quarterback for middle round value. That's for sure. Uh huh. I don't want Drew Brees in the fourth round. You know, I want Drew Brees in the sixth round. Or I want Peyton Manning in the third round. Well, best of luck with that, sure. And then I, mean, uh, I know Peyton Manning's had a lot of uh, obviously guided tour is the last place face. guy. Then yeah, guided tour is a little too uh, predictable uh, for the other people in your draft. Yeah, and you're 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 gonna wind up with a team full of players that you know well. And sometimes fantasy football is about taking a chance. And hopefully you know all the players well, but, you know, there's hundreds of them, Dave. We can't know all of them well. We can know of most of them. I'm, I'm or a, all of them. I think I'm uh, getting there. All right. Well, I hope you are. <laughs> like, for example, I knew that Geno Smith was going to get punched in the jaw today, in and it would jaw. require six to ten weeks. You knew that he wasn't paying his debts. Yeah, but if I would have said something, someone would have come to the house, like in a black suit, and flashed a thing in my eyes. Right, right. You can only admit your... Uh, your psychic abilities after the events have happened. I never said I was psychic. Otherwise, I didn't say you said you were psychic. No, I just come from the future. Right. Right. Well, it's much more give believable. It away. It's more believable that way, isn't it? Yes. It's more believable that you have come from the future than that you have psychic abilities. All right. Well, let's let's go over a couple things that you should always do when you draft. And these are tips from a, a big contributor to the fantasy football subreddit that I go to all the time. So shout out to you guys. And his name is... Uh, uh, beer for the beer god, and he makes the beer sheets, which are his sort of uh, his projections, his kind of customizable sheets that he provides for free. So just shout out to him, shout out to the Reddit uh, subreddit, fantastic. Uh, number one, know thy league. So uh, we talked about this earlier, and of course it it has a lot to do with uh, the way you draft. Uh, if you have a two quarterback league, then you shouldn't draft based on standard scoring and fantasy pros. You know, you should know that would be silly. Yeah. That the quarterbacks are more value. Right. If uh, if you're in a league that has keepers, like you have to know how they work. If you're a PPR, you have to know that receivers are worth more than uh, than other positions. That's just something you need to know. Uh, first, unalienable kind of rule <laughs> is you need to 
take stock of where know you what are. you're getting into. I mean, we we said that at the top of the program. If you're you know that you're in a league that doesn't trade and doesn't participate in general, like you may not want to play in that league. Yeah. Uh, number two, level of risk you are willing to take should correlate with the round of the draft, which again I agree with. Your early picks are picks that are superstars that are guys you're going to have all year long. That's what you want. You don't want to take a guy that uh, that might or might not be available in week eight because you're taking those players at the same round as other people are taking those players like uh, um, you know Des Bryant and stuff. They're going to be around all year. And you do not want to take a player that's, that's injury-prone in any way or, or you think... You know, he is a gangster and he might shoot someone in the leg or like go or shoot himself in the leg or yeah, or go on like a DUI cruise, uh, you know, with his rape victim, like or get punched in the face and have his jaw broken. Exactly. So, so you need to, you need to get Dave, who's from the future, to tell you who gets injured in this year's NFL season. Would you like me to tell you? No, dude, that'll ruin the surprise. I can make a prediction right now. Well, tell everyone else. I don't want to hear. Okay. Cover your ears. Okay. Julio Jones. I'm sorry, guys. Who do you say? Who do you say? I apologize. I wonder who he said. Uh, number three. I bet it was Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so number three is uh, you have to know the opportunity cost of your draft choice, which is a little more complicated in this beginner road. But basically, what we're saying is you need to understand that um, you know. You know what? I got. I got to admit, I don't understand this point. I have to admit. You handed me the one that is confusing. I'm sorry. What what that means and what he's trying to get across here is that if you draft a running back at this particular point, like, will this make your next guy draft a wide receiver? Are are you are you drafting a? Uh, are See, I you thought dra- it was based on your own team, but this is talking about fucking with other people. Yeah. Well, are are you drafting? And we talked about runs earlier. So you're paying attention, right? Are 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 you in the third round and there have been eight wide receivers drafted? Right. So. You need to take a running back, right? And that like shifts things around. It changes things up. The the opportunity cost is the price that you pay for the pick you didn't take. Okay. And and that's a. This that sounds like some synergy bullshit. <laughs> I gotta it, say, it's a plus or a minus. If you take a running back when you sh- when when everyone was taking a wide receiver, then it's a positive uh, opportunity cost. Or I'm sorry, sorry, negative. It actually. It increases your draft and and decreases everybody else's because that should turn around the whole run and force everyone else to go back to what you're doing. Uh, that's fine, you know. I, I've I, I've I've seen that in drafts, and I've I've wanted do to do that. Do you not believe in like the runs or something? I don't. No, understand. No, that's fine. I I don't like being a part of a run, and I I see the quickly diminishing value of runs. But at the same time, you seem I'm like still you must, you must a supporter of best available. So I just feel like I don't fall victim of runs as much. Like I understand, like like dude, to me, like two in a row starts a run. So I'm just like, well, I better make sure that I'm focused on every other position. So that if I take that same position, it's a player that I can justify and that I yeah, really two, want. Two is and not I a don't, run. That's not. That's just two people picked in a row. That's not a run. Right. But what I'm saying is if I'm the third person, if I could be potentially the third person. Well, then you could start the run, which would be great. Well, starting the run is taking the first one. No, because that's not a run. Well, when you look back at it, it is. No, but you, you would never know by picking one position that you would start a Look, when there's a rally in baseball, the... The leadoff hitter gets credit for starting the rally, I not think, the third guy. Well, I don't care about baseball. 
You know, We're just talking at, about a, a consecutive series of events here, Dave. Baseball you is, start from the beginning. Baseball is boring, my friend. I just have to bring. I've that already into this put you to sleep by saying the word baseball. Yeah, well, we only have a few minutes left. Let's continue. Well, what I what I'm saying is, I think that that starting a run is really being the second or third guy in it. And so I think that what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you actually like to be a part of that at that point, which is good. No, no, no. I'm saying that I don't shy away from it if... But you're not shying away from anything. You're the one starting the run. Okay, say I'm the fourth one, all right? And it's clearly a run because it's been three before me. Four is still okay. You, you've, been, you've been in drafts when there are like six, seven wide receivers taken in a row. That's the position where you're screwing yourself if you take uh, the same position. And just like we were saying earlier, the law of diminishing returns says that the likelihood of the seventh best receiver available at the time still being better than every other player is so low that you're really not going to run into that situation. So I guess, you know, you really have to trust your gut or go against it in that situation. If it you look at everything and it says that, That's his well, it's still... You trust know, your gut or go against it. No. Well, you have to make a decision because you're questioning your gut. So you have to decide whether or not you're going to stick with it. Which is why you need strategies because then you don't have to go to your gut. Right. You can say, well, this is what I'm doing because that's what I have decided to do. Sure. But there's there's strategies that tell you to go one way or the other. Best available strategy may tell you to take that seventh wide receiver. But a different strategy may tell you for sure don't take another wide receiver. Are you crazy? Best available strategy is only going to tell you to take a seventh wide receiver if everyone in your league wears paper hats. Fine. <laughs> and that, if that's true, you need to get to a new league. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, develop your own tools for draft day and practice with them. So uh, I think that we talked about this before. You need to take some. That's basically what this is all about. You need to take someone's projections <laughs> or rankings that you trust or make your own rankings or, or take someone's rankings, like take our rankings, you know, and then adjust them to the guys that you want to target. But you need something on Excel, on a piece of paper. You need something to look at because there are too many players for, the, for them all to be organized neatly in your head mm-hmm. and to keep track of it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to draft with no materials whatsoever, but I wouldn't recommend it. No, I wouldn't either. Uh, five, tiers are superior to rankings. Jason, go with it. I much prefer looking at tiers as, okay, so there's two guys here, there's three guys here, four guys here. And so then when they come around, you know that you can compare different positions very easily rather than saying, well, you know, is the fifth best wide receiver really as good as the fifth best uh, running back? But you know that a second tier wide receiver is as important as a second tier running back. Um, and then when it comes time to actually draft them, you have a selection of players instead of having to waffle between a few. They're all about the same. And at the end of the year, they're all going to come out pretty close to each other. You know, that's what the predictions say anyways. Um, so the reason why they're superior to rankings is because you are able to, uh, my first point mostly was that since you're able to compare the different positions so easily, uh, and drafts aren't things that you can always take a long time for, you know, you have to make quick decisions. Tears help you make that quick decision and it helps you make the right decision. So always, uh, make your rankings and then split your guys up into tiers. Don't be a homer, but it's okay to have multiple guys on the same team. So we talked about this uh, in many previous podcasts, uh, last year especially, because in the preseason we don't get into this as much uh, until we get to draft stuff. 
but I guess today's draft stuff, so let's start talking about it. Um, <laughs> don't uh, rank your guys that are on your home team higher than normal. And if you're in a draft that is local and in, into like a big uh, sports community, like we live in the Chicago area, so a lot of people are going to be drafting guys like Eddie Royal, um, Kevin White, Elshon Jeffrey, higher than they should. And that's okay. Let them do it. But don't take them because there's a reason why they're drafting them higher. They want them on their team so that they can sit in their houses and root for their players because they are a Chicago Bears fan or uh, Oakland Raiders fan or, or whatever they are, whatever market you're in. But don't fall into that same trap. It's okay to not draft someone from your team because if you're in a big market like we're in, you're probably going to be overpaying for that person. That's um, true. It's okay to have multiple guys on the same team. Uh, there's a lot of people that say things like, you shouldn't have a quarterback and a running back and a wide receiver that are all on the same team. Well, I say that's bullshit. If you have Aaron Rodgers, Eddie Royal, and Jordy Nelson, you're going to do just <laughs> fine. It doesn't really matter what team the players are on that you have. We've said before that you can pretty much ignore bye weeks. Ignore bye weeks. Ignore what team people are on. You draft the best player, you know, based on your strategy that you can at that moment. Things change so much by the time bye weeks come around. Even though some of them are in week four, like the odds of you having all of your bye weeks in week four are really low because that's only two teams. Yeah, if you really want to, you could trade people based on their bye weeks. But me personally, like I'll even I, I don't shy away from taking players that are the same bye week because as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it would be the best opportunity possible for me to have everyone by week seven. And then I'll just lose week seven and I'll win every other week because no one will be on by. But that's probably not going to happen. So don't worry about it. And, and don't worry about if you have a, a running back and a wide receiver that are on the same team. They're not going to take things away from each other. They're going to be as good as they were going to be otherwise. Right. There are always going to be a certain level of good. You know, you can watch individual events in a game that would suggest that someone's taking something from someone else. But you know what? You know, that's something that you should forget about five minutes after it happens because it really is pointless to dwell on. Yeah. Number seven. Uh, so don't be afraid to reach. Um, I disagree with that. Don't reach. I, I have to say, you know, um, reaching for certain players. Uh, if you're very confident in a certain player and you've researched them and you you want to go with that player, that's one thing. But uh, for the most part, don't just go willy nilly into this uh, into this number seven. Well, you're supposing Jason that someone is going to be in the fifth round and then grab someone who's like a sleeper pick. Like it's okay to grab someone that should be a sixth round pick in the fifth round if you think that they're going to be taken by the time that they get to you again, and you think that that player will outperform those other players in between them. It's okay to do that because you are ultimately the only person that matters when you look at your team. And if you think that your team would have been better by taking that person instead of the other person that you took because they were on your rankings list, then you should have taken them. I, I look at drafts as, like, be as safe as possible because, you know, drafting is more of a crapshoot than picking things during the year. And then making waiver picks during the year is even more of, like, a skilled thing. So, like, I'll be best at that in my league, you know. I have, I have the best chance of being really good at that in my league. So, as long as I can draft a very solid team, I can only go up from there and improve it that's with the waiver wire. That's well, kind of how I, I look I at it. I disagree with him. I think the draft is just as important as the waiver wire. 
Um, although I guess you're oh no, I think it is for sure. Which is why I'm saying like go safe in your draft. It's it's so important that you need to do it safely. Well, we you talked need to about take fewer risks. Those higher picks, like you, you take fewer risks. But once you get down to those later rounds, there are four risks. That's the point of them. Later rounds, I don't care. Once I've once I've completed my starting lineup, I don't care. Like yeah. I mean, like I will totally take risks then. But I, I try not to take risks in my starting lineup. Well, we we never specifically talked about what what like uh, round we were talking about here. I guess it, once we get to eight nine, I would say okay, I, so I, then, I will take more risks. So then you're not afraid to reach. So the first half, <laughs> but I don't think it's reaching once you're down in the ninth round. Of course it is because your rankings that you're using or your tiers that you're using. You might grab someone out of there if you think they're going to be taken beforehand. Like I'm targeting guys like Charles Johnson. I think he's going to be great. I like guys like Stevie Johnson, who goes undrafted in a lot of leagues, so I don't have to worry about him so much. Jarvis Landry, who is undervalued in a lot of places. But but if I think someone is going to target him or take him before me, I will be just fine reaching to grab him ahead because I think that he's going to be better than a lot of people think. So I think that whatever rankings you're looking at, they don't necessarily like show the underlying value of the player at all times. If a player has not been, uh, you know, up to the potential that he possibly could be, then he's going to be lower in the rankings than he should be. Mm-hmm. So if your gut says take something, why don't you take it? You know, you said earlier that there's risk involved in here. Sometimes you have to take risks. So I mean, well, I, I just don't understand this. This like uh, what I'm saying is save that risk for the second half. Okay, well then you agree with this. You just say. Uh, keep it in the second half of the draft. Okay. Well, like most things, like if I put a flyer on it and put my own spin on it, then I like it more. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, sort of along those lines. The less predictable a position, the later that position should be drafted. So drafting kickers and defenses very late. Uh, you guys should already know this by now. I think there is some value in ranking defenses and kickers and knowing which ones are better. But you should draft them at the end of your draft every draft. stricken from the fantasy world. Why? I just don't like it. Don't like what? Kickers and defense. Well, then why are you a commissioner of like five leagues and you have kickers and defense in every league? i got to be honest with you. If I ever start another league, there will be no kicker and defense in that league. Couldn't you just take them out of the leagues that you're in? I could, but I don't think it would be a very popular decision. Why is that? Because I think people like them, for the most part. <laughs> people like kickers and defenses. Well, they, they are... Like, people buy jerseys of kickers and shit. Like, defensive points Like sometimes win people weeks... Um, defenses are much people more. Think they're really good at picking defenses. Defenses are much more predictable than kickers. There have been people that have done really well picking defenses and streaming them, and I, I think streaming defenses is the way to go. I've done really well with it myself. Me too. I think kickers are the the obstacle that doesn't make a lot of sense because year after year you'll have kickers that seem like they should do well and then finish at the middle, and you have kickers that seem like they should do poorly and finish at the top. Right, they lose 20 field goal attempts because the team scores too many touchdowns. Well, okay, so that's the problem you have. You're, you're mad at kickers. Let's hear your inner rage about those kickers. I don't know. <laughs> about kickers? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I football think... isn't about kicking, even though it is just a little bit. So You, you don't want to take out so look, a part of the game. I, I'm, in, I'm in a league where I want to sort of try to mimic the NFL as much as possible. So, of course, I'm going to include kickers in defense for just that reason. You know, kickers can change the game.
thought. Well, I have to disagree with you because I think that um, when you're watching a game, for example, you're watching the kicks, you're watching the defense, you're watching everything else that's involved with it. And fantasy football has always tried to involve every aspect of the game. Well, then why don't you play leagues with individual defensive players? Because I don't know those defensive players. But you've spent so much. You could learn it, Dave. Of course I could. You could learn it. There's also a and reason you could why be better at it. Than there's most also people. a reason why I don't play fantasy baseball and why I don't watch college football games. Because <laughs> there's only so much room in my brain. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, man. So I'm just saying, get rid of the kicker and defense, and you'll fit more room for the uh, players that are going on right now. You're not wrong, and I don't think that it's a bad thing to have leagues without kickers and defenses. But I do think that the defenses are more valuable and more interesting than kickers because defensive plays happen all the time. Sacks, inter, like interceptions, forced fumbles, uh, returns for touchdowns. That defense is fun to watch, and it's fun to kind of see which one might do better based on their matchup. A kicker is so much more random. Yeah. That I, I think that I, I think kickers should be outlawed from fantasy football. But not only that, I think kickers should be eliminated from the NFL. But that is another, uh, <laughs> you know, another podcast. <laughs> It sounds like you, sir, are the one with kicker hate. No, you you have the hatred for... I'm channeling your hatred for kickers. Okay. Uh, so, real quickly. Um, you can lose your league in the draft, but you win it in the waiver wire. You talked about this earlier. Um, I sort of agree with, with him. He's saying no matter how well or poorly you draft, it's only a part of the game. You can draft so badly that you're done. So, that's untrue. However... Uh, you can, I've seen it. You can definitely... But those people aren't listening to fantasy football podcasts. No, maybe not. But you can definitely win... In the waiver wire, because a lot of people don't make their picks, a lot of people are not interested or not paying attention. And if you pay attention every week and you make a couple claims for guys that should be up and comers, no matter how your waiver wire works, you should definitely 100% be able to to rise up in the ranks of your league. And if you're already number one or number two, that could solidify your lead and your win in the championship. So I, I agree with you. Waiver wire is the is the way to go and the way to win it. Because after the draft, it's the only way to change your team besides trades. So trading and waiver wire, that's it. And then uh, our last uh, tip. Uh, our last tip is uh, mock draft until you can draft in your sleep. And you were warning against uh, the dangers of Just mock a drafting little bit, too much. You know, temper. But... Um, if, if you're on ESPN and you're mock drafting all the time or on CBS or mock drafting I think, all the time. I think th- this evening we're either going to work on rankings or do a mock draft. Sure. But you, you must understand what I'm saying. You, you're going to be, if you're on the same side all the time, you're going to be more accustomed to those rankings. And then you go to a draft and you're like, well, this isn't what happened. That's true. So That's you just got to be aware of that is all. Right. right. Or, or draft in a bunch of different places. Yeah, don't stay on the same site. Right. That's that's good advice. Uh, so we have we have someone asking what our favorite mock draft site is. Do you have any uh, suggestions? Uh, I always suggest a Fantasy Calculator. Fantasy Football Calculator. Fantasy Football Calculator. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Fantasy Football Calculator It has a bunch of different options. You can do PPR. You can do like two quarterback leagues. There's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, they have a bunch of new options. And there's almost always a draft available to join. Yeah, and what's cool about that league is that there's a lot of different people all the time. The problem is, again, it's, it's always about whatever the ranking system is uh, in there. So I think one of the things, Jason, is that we always do live drafts, right? We, where we try to do them more than not. Yes. But a lot of people have to do online drafts depending on where they're located. But that's even where more fast-paced are. than a live draft. 
but the problem with the online draft is it is that everyone has access to the same rankings. You, it's, it's yeah, a, everyone is going to have the Yahoo or the ESPN or the NFL.com rankings. So my last tip to people is, if that's the case, and I think of the majority of people do their drafts online, then you need to look at whatever those rankings are, figure them out, don't use them, and use them to your advantage. In fact, you should look at a couple of the big ones anyways, and just see like if people... When you get to a draft, you know, three people have the ESPN sheets. Okay, well, like, we've looked, we've known in past years that people like Darren McFadden were, like, super overvalued in the ESPN sheet. Mm-hmm. Or people who are super undervalued in the ESPN sheet. Like, for example, uh, I believe in in Yahoo or ESPN just this past couple days, Lamar Miller went from number 47 to number 26. Because they were undervaluing him because originally... The uh, the news out there was that uh, the new draft pick uh, Jay Ajayi, the the rookie, was going to be taking over tons of of uh, carries from Lamar Miller's. Yeah, and now uh, it's he's not even backing him up. He's just he's like the fourth string guy right and, now. And you know you can always come back from that. But but the point is that those sites are not always up on their their most recent news. So you could really easily screw somebody over if you pay attention to what's going on and how those rankings are different from the rankings that you should be using, which are Drink 5 rankings, which will be up this week on the website. And on Fantasy Pros, you can always look and go to Pick Experts and then choose Drink 5, and we'll be there. All right. Well, I'm excited for that. I'm also excited to watch some Hard Knocks for the first time this year. It was on earlier tonight. And there's a lot going on in Houston right now. Yeah, there was another ACL tear that apparently they learned about, spoiler alert, during the episode of Hard Knocks. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, why don't, you, uh, why don't you close us out here? Well, I was going to say, make sure to visit us at drink5.com and uh, check out Twitter at uh, Drink5. Also, Facebook, Drink5 Network. And we're everywhere else, too. Fantasy Pros now. You can check out where our rankings are. Email us at davidrink5 or jason at drink5.com. If you have any questions, any comments, do it via email or come in and see us uh, on our Tuesday podcast. Tweet us like most people in the world, I guess. Next week we'll be going over quarterbacks, I think. Wait, right? Were you inviting people to come see the podcast live? I'm sorry? Were you inviting people to come see it live? Well, they'd have to go through our... Our, uh, our screening process. Our screening process. Least, okay. But we do have a couch, so, I mean, it's possible. We have seats for three. You just have to bring a six-pack. And a microphone and a, for one. A six-pack and a smile. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's a good requirement. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody out there. Anything else you want to add, Jason? Uh, Just drink five, everybody. Drink five.